So what is his divine purpose? We talk about his purposes and his plans all the time. And some of you may be wondering, what are his divine purposes for me, for us? And I'm going to share that. But you have to wait until the end of the message. So you can't leave. Okay? So if you would, if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Because when we hear about his purposes, and they're specific, and they've been his purposes since the beginning of all creation. He hasn't changed his mind. And he's called us to walk in them. Okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Therefore, ever since I heard of your trust in the Lord Yeshua and of your love for all the Kedoshim, the Holy Ones, I never stop giving thanks for you as I mention you in my prayers. Paul was committed to praying for the people, for the congregations, the Kehilat that he started wherever he was. Never stop praying for them. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, our glorious Father, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in knowing him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the richness of his glorious inheritance in the Kedoshim, and what is his exceeding great, exceedingly great power towards us who keep trusting him in keeping with the working of his mighty strength. This power he exercised in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heaven. He is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, and every name that is named, every government official, every institution in our government. Yeshua is higher than all of those things. Amen. Amen. Not only in the Olam Hazeh, the world that is, but also in the Olam Haba, the world to come. God placed all things under Messiah's feet and appointed him as head over all things for his community, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Whoo, that's good stuff. And Paul says, I pray that your eyes would be open to this truth. Colossians 1.9. I get excited. You know what? Sometimes I say, you know what? I'm just going to give the message. I'm going to do it straight. I'm not going to get emotional about it. I'm just going to give it straight. Because sometimes I get my love man. But I can't. I get excited when I read the word here. One more verse. Well, I'm going to have a lot of verses for you today. So read, write these verses down. Okay. I will. Thank you, Jan. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason also. See, Paul had this thing not only to write to the Ephesians, but also he wrote this to the Colossians. For this reason also, ever since we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We keep asking God that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Hallelujah. You see, Paul and 
we have to have true biblical wisdom needs to permeate us with the knowledge of his will. My concern is I don't think a whole lot of people know what his will is. It's not just people get saved. We kind of end there and say, and that's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But that is not necessarily the fullness of his will towards us. But we need to walk in true biblical wisdom, which it needs to permeate us. The knowledge of God's will and the willingness and the capacity to do it. See, when he tells us his will and it's revealed, it was a mystery, but he reveals it to us. We need the wisdom to walk in that will. And he gives us the capacity to do it. And before I get into the, to the meat, the deep meat of the message, I want to talk about a prophetic word that I read recently. Maybe some of you read this too, about three churches. There was a sleeping church, a street church, and a surrendered church. Maybe some of you have seen this. And it's a prophetic word, but I believe it's also a warning and something very, very important for us. The sleeping church or the, the silent church. And, and the words for that is though you are awake, you are sleeping. There is a church that is sleeping and some scriptures that go, go along with that in Ephesians 4, 14. As a result, we're no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of men with cunning and deceitful scheming. But this silent, this sleeping church is, is not there. They're just being tossed here and here and there. If Revelation chapter 3, like I said, I'm going to have a lot of scriptures for you today. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. <clears throat> to the angel of Messiah's community in Sardis, write, Thus the one having the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation. Oh, wake up and strengthen what remains. That was about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. This is a warning to the sleeping church. Now, I'm not going to go around. I'm not going to name denominations, but you've seen them. God has kind of like walked out. The Ruach HaKodesh is not in there. It's characterized by a tolerance. Now, we need to tolerate certain behaviors and people, but that's not the tolerance. A tolerance of anti-biblical standards, a sleeping church. They celebrate anti-biblical standards under the name of, we welcome you all to come into our fellowship and we will celebrate, no need to change. Just come in and we'll celebrate your lifestyle. They tend to interpret scripture, a sleeping church will tend to interpret scripture in light of the culture. 
But you know what? Everything needs to be interpreted in light of the Scripture. Our culture needs to be interpreted in light of the Scripture, not vice versa. It's the sleeping church. Yeshua came to Sardis and said, wake up. I know, I've heard your reputation. You have a reputation for this, but I see this. Wake up. But he always gives hope. He says, repent, repent. That's the sleeping church. The other church, it's the street church, or it's a street church um, characterized by chaos, and, and, and it's rebellious in the name of grace, but not in the name of the Son, Yeshua. This is a, uh, tends to be maybe, maybe more of a millennial kind of fellowship, but they came out of the sleeping church. They knew there was more than they were getting and seeing in the sleeping church. What I mean by they're rebellious in the name of grace, but not in the name of the Son, is that their grace is a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation of biblical grace. It's a grace that demands acceptance instead of submitting to kingdom principles. Grace gives us the ability to submit to kingdom principles. It's born out of false doctrine. Universalism. You know what universalism, it's, 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 it's what birthed the environmental and the climate change movement. Everything is God and God is in everything. And there's some truth in that, but it's like everything needs to be worshipped as God. It's birthed out of humanism, where man becomes the center of creation. It's all about us, and it's all up to us. That's humanism. Taking God out of the scriptures and making it all about us. This rebellious church, this street church, is, have you ever heard the term liberation theology? Liberation theology has been around for, for decades, and and it's changed names today, but it's a blending. It's a blending of, a, of Marxist philosophy with Christian theology that addresses helping the victims of economic circumstances. Sounds good, doesn't it? And we do. We are called to help those who are in need. We are called to minister and to help the poor. But talk about you know, mixing, you know, um, what's that, the, the, the fire, the, the um, unholy fire, you know, where we bring in Marxism into theology. And, and this, this came about in the 1970s and 1980s out of Latin America, where a lot of the Catholic Church fell into this liberation theology. And actually, the Pope today came out of that theology, liberation theology. And the result is social justice has become the thing. And you know what? You use the word social justice and it sounds great. We're all for justice. But what it's been interpreted as is truth. Truth is that we are to help the poor and we are to help the widows and we are to help the abused. That's our calling as the bride of Messiah. But where it's become twisted and, and false and deception is that we excuse bad behavior. 
We excuse bad behavior and basically uh, we say, well, we punish others for not helping. It's, a, it's a based on punishment of others. Income redistribution, a victimization industry. Have you noticed that? Everybody is a victim. And, and so it's not your fault. The victim is basically saying, it's not my fault. People did this to me. We have no responsibility and therefore no accountability. This is where a lot of the church has gone to in the last few years. But then there was a vision of a surrendered church. This is a church that desires encounter with Yeshua HaMashiach. This is a, a church that is committed to intercessory repentance. This is a church that is desiring for holiness and going after holiness, relationship with the Lord, and a return to the ancient paths. This is the ecclesia that God is cleansing today. This is what God is wanting to do. And those people in the sleeping church and those people in the street church, God is saying, come to a surrendered church. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about an, an attitude, an attitude within believers. He's preparing a bride. If anything in the last, and I've said this so many times, if anything in the last year, we can say God is shaking everything so that he can prepare us and bring cleansing in the body of Messiah because we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors on planet earth. And so we are to be cleansed of these things so that we can carry the fullness of Yeshua in us. He's preparing a bride today who will walk in his purposes. And that's what I want to get to today. Worthy of being the bride to his son, Yeshua. You've been to a wedding. The groom is up front. Everything hushes. The music starts and the bride in her beauty comes walking down. And all eyes are upon that bride, especially that groom. He's looking upon that bride like, wow, there is nothing, nobody else in the world but her. Yeshua, God wants us to be that bride where he's looking. He's preparing us. He's preparing us so that he will look upon us and say, that's my bride. I love my bride. So let's look at the divine purpose, the divine purposes that God has. In the Psalm 33, and you don't have this, Jason, but in verse 6, it says, By Adonai's word were the heavens made and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. You just stop right there. We sometimes, we read words in the scriptures about the awesomeness, the majesty of God, and they're words on a paper. God is awesome. He created the heavens and the earth and all things. And we go, that's awesome. That's good. That's good. But have you ever thought about he created everything by the breath of his mouth, by the word. He created everything. And we saw a video the other night of uh, Louis Giglio. And he was talking about the awesomeness of his creation. And how big the universes are. Now, you are more of an engineer scientist than, than me. But the nearest 
galaxy is like, how many, how far is it? A couple of million miles, right? It's like 35,000 light years. Yeah, hundreds, of, we can't even fathom this. And God breathed it and it came into existence. And that's the nearest, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we, we can't even, we try to explain the awesomeness and the majesty and the incredible awesomeness of who he is, and we can't. We bring them to scriptures, we tell, and we just speak to ourselves, we speak to other people, and it's just like we just fall short. But yet he is so amazing, and yet he created this little golf ball-sized planet Earth, and you are part of that, and yet he had you in mind from creation, the foundations of creation, to be part of his purposes. But first we need to grasp how big and awesome he really is. Ooh, wow. It's the same power that, that Yeshua was raised by, and it's living in us. Okay, that's amazing. So we're starting to get, okay, we're starting to wake up a little bit. Okay, verse 11 of Psalm 33, and this is where we fit in. The plan of Adonai stands forever. The purpose of his heart from generation to generation. He doesn't forget his plans and purposes. They stand. We enter into, we're kind of like a, a slice of eternity in a point of time that we come into in, in, his, in his heart in his, to see his purposes from generation to generation. I love this quote by um, Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer. God's ultimate purpose for his creation is to provide a family for himself and a bride for his son as his eternal companion to reign with him forever. The guiding principle of the Father's activity throughout history has been to raise up a prepared bride for his, for his worthy son. He has been training the bride to rule the world with Yeshua. We are being trained to rule with Yeshua. This is not just, hey, let's just watch him do this. No, we are being trained to rule. He desires to possess a covenant people as his dwelling place. There's no temple in Jerusalem. He says, no, you're not. You are the temple. And the Ruach HaKodesh lives in you. We are that temple. We are the place of his domain. He possesses us as his covenant dwelling people, as a dwelling place. He wants us, he needs for us to know that we have entered into an eternal covenant with an eternal loving father who does not break covenant. Never breaks covenant. I want to talk about this thing called, you hear about the ecclesia. And I've talked about it here. The ecclesia is a Greek word. It basically means the assembly or the call. It comes from a Hebrew root. The, 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 the root is Hebrew, kahal. The called out ones, the called out assembly. It's a governing body. And that's why I say, you know, there's a sleeping church, there's a rebellious church, but there is a true bride. Not everybody who calls himself a believer is a believer. Just, y'all know that. 
But the ecclesia, the kahal, the, the kahal of God, are, they're consecrated to God. They're sold out to him, and they're connected to one another. See, it's not a just you and Yeshua. It's we're connected to one another by the Ruach HaKodesh. Yes, as I mentioned, salvation of souls is important, but it all fits in to a larger plan. We talked about this last week, tikkun olam. Tikkun olam. It means the repair or the restoration of the whole world. Tikkun olam. It's his purpose. You see, there was a garden. God created man and woman, and he says, you are to have dominion over all the earth. They forfeited it. Genesis chapter 3. And the whole rest of the scriptures is to let us know that God is preparing a bride to restore all things to the way it was. So the goal of salvation is not just to get a ticket to heaven. It's not about heaven. I think there's been too much emphasis in the body of Messiah today about just, just get that insurance policy. Just get to heaven and things will be okay. And the goal of salvation is to be transformed into the likeness of Yeshua. The goal of salvation is to be transformed into the likeness of Yeshua. That's our call to be as disciples or Talmudim. Matthew 28, 19. You know this scripture. You all know this. I'm going to break it down a little bit. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say go and make converts so people can get to heaven in all nations. It says go and make disciples, Talmudim, of all nations, immersing them. Now, it's just about water baptism. It's not just about water baptism. Being immersed in the name of the Father, being immersed in the name of the Son, and being immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded, and he will be with us. So what is a disciple defined? Well, I love when Scripture defines itself. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Yeshua says, a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Who's saying those words? Yeshua. He's saying, those who are being discipled or trained, you'll be like, like him, like Yeshua, like his teacher. Now, look what Oswald Chambers basically breaks it down. Very simple. Men and women with strong family likeness to Yeshua. Look at your neighbor, if you have a neighbor, right now. You see a resemblance to Yeshua in the person sitting next to you or in back of you or in front of you? Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. How are we doing up there, Jason? Jason, you're doing a great job. Jason's doing it all. He's a one-man show back there today. Colossians 1, verse 28 says, We proclaim him, hallelujah, warning and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Messiah. That's what discipleship is all about. I'm so committed to you that I want to, compl- I want to you know, 
offer you as complete, present you complete in him. To this end, I labor, striving with all his strength. And this is something that really struck out, stuck out at me this time as I read it. I always thought about, in everything in my strength, I'm going to do it, Kent. Everything in my strength. But he doesn't say that. He says everything in his strength, which is powerfully at work in me. You can't do it, Linda, but his strength in you is able to do that, to, to present everyone, to present others as completed Messiah. All of us, not just me, are involved in discipleship, whether it's our children or our neighbors or people in our congregation or our employees. I love kingdom businesses because, you know, it's not about making money. It's about discipling your employees. It's about all of us in being involved in this, discipling others to become like Yeshua, very simple. Be like Yeshua. The goal of discipleship is to present everyone complete in Messiah. Romans 8.28. We all know this scripture too. Now we know that now we're going to get into, so start listening. I'm going to start giving you the purposes, but you've got to wait a few more minutes. Okay. Now we know that all things work together for God, for those who, who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So he'll work all things to the good for those who are called according to your purpose. His purpose. Okay, I get a little confused on that sometimes. See, God definitely has a purpose and a plan. So hang on to that. Number one, he calls us to himself for that purpose. He calls us to be with him to carry out his purposes. We're part of that plan from the beginning of creation. It's not like, oh God, bless me as I do my thing. Bless me as I do my plan. It's not about that at all. We read a couple of weeks ago in Isaiah 30, and I love this, when, when God says, oi, he says, oi, who, who carry out a plan? But it's not my plan. He's talking about Israel carrying out their plan, but it's not his plan. Psalm 139 says, in your book were written all the days that were formed when not one of them had come to be. He knew you in your mother's womb. Jeremiah even talks about that. He has plans for you that were planned even before the foundations of the world. And he calls him, us to himself for that purpose. Secondly, no matter what happens, God's loving hands, no matter what happens, God's loving hands will take hold of our circumstances and bend them to serve his purpose. He's even able to take bad, tragic things and use for his purpose. And you think, well, he doesn't know my situation. I don't think Corey Ten Boom, maybe she struggled with that, but I think God knew her, where she had come from. She was the one who said, I think there is no pit so deep that God can't go even deeper. Corey Ten Boom knew that and was able to take the cir circumstances. And we, Sarah, she being in two death camps, not one, two death camps, and yet God has plans and purposes for her to preserve her for this. Johnny 
Erickson Tata, you know? Think about that. God has plans for her. He's able to take every situation and turn it for his good, for his purposes. Verse 29, Romans 8, 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that we that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He predestined us to be molded into the Messiah's image. He predestined us to be molded into the image of his son. See, each person's, I've heard this term, eternal, unique persona. We all have a soul. I love the Hebrew. It's, it's our neshama, neshama, our soul, that psyche, that, that deepest part of who we are. Each person's nishama is expressed through the character of Yeshua. See, that's why we get saved. That's why we get born again. That's why we come into the kingdom, is so that we can be formed into his character. What is the character of Yeshua? His love, holiness, his wisdom, and his power. If we just grasp how awesome that is, we would be so much do would be doing so much more than we are right now. Somebody is sick. You're just going to, well, let's just pray right now. And you'll pray for that person, and the power of Yeshua in you will just go and explode into that person and bring healing, revelation, whatever they may be going through. I was having lunch with a, a brother the other day, and, and um, he engaged, I, he got there before me, and he was talking to the, to the waiter, waitress, and who was in, and he'd already gotten her name, Alexis, and and she was involved in Wicca, Wicca, and so he started. This guy, I just met him, and he's an evangelist, and he starts sharing, but in a loving way, just about the love of Yeshua, to the point where she was like, "Wow, that's really good. Tell me more about that." And so we were able to talk more with her and pray with her at lunch. It was awesome. Oh, this was a couple of months ago. You know, how many times you, you pray for somebody, you never hear anything? You just, you pray. Well, we were in Walmart. Millie was getting some glasses. And we were just standing there. And I hate Walmart. No offense, but I do not like being in Walmart. So I'm there. And, and, but the lady who was um, working at the, uh, the um, eyeglasses place, and she actually goes to the church here. And another lady walks by. And she was definitely in pain. She could barely walk. And uh, matter of fact, she was scheduled for a surgery. It was a friend of the person who worked at Walmart. And she was scheduled for a surgery on her back. And, and we said, well, let's pray. And so here we are in Walmart praying for this person. Well, if you're going to do anything in Walmart, you might as well pray for somebody. And so we prayed for her. And, and she said, thank you, thank you. Never heard anything. This lady that works at Walmart came to me the other day and said, she went in to the doctor to have the surgery. And the doctor said, there's no issues. You've been healed. So this is what I mean. Is there something in us? It's not us. It's him. It's the spirit. It's the Ruach HaKodesh in us. So now, in conclusion, God's plan for the ages. Are you ready? Are you ready? I know I've held you in suspense all these. Are you ready, Wendy? Okay. This is the deep meat part. This is the deep meat part. 
Ephesians 1, verse 9. He made known to us. So Paul is saying he's made known to us. So we, it's known. The mystery of his will in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned in Messiah. That's Ephesians 1, 9. Colossians 1, 16. And I love this. I want to encourage you to read all of Colossians. Colossians 1, 16. For by him. All things were created in heaven and on earth. And you just stop right there. And so he, he created them in heaven and on earth. The seen and the unseen, whether thrones or angelic powers or rulers or authorities, all was created through him and for him. Hebrews 1.3, the Son, Yeshua, is the radiance of his glory in the imprint of his being upholding all things by his powerful word. You know that if he wasn't here, everything would just go poof. It would dissolve. It wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to, our bodies would not be able to stay, stay together. He holds all things together, including you, by his powerful word. And when he had made purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is, what I believe is one of his primary purposes that God is doing in preparing us for to help to, to walk in is Yeshua will return to earth and exert his absolute dominion over all things. We are preparing for his return to earth to set up his throne and have absolute dominion on all things, everything. That's number one. Wow, that's a little quiet. That's good news. He's returning. This includes all spiritual, physical, and governmental entities and authorities. He's coming to take dominion, but he's given us dominion too in those areas if we walk in them. Secondly, and this is part of his divine purposes, is the resurrection of the dead is a crucial theology for tikkun olam, we need to understand that there will be a resurrection of the dead. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Messiah has been raised. And if Messiah has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Messiah have perished. If we have hoped in the Messiah in this life alone, we are to be pitied more than all people. But now Messiah has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have been, who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead also has come through a man, Yeshua. For as in Adam all die, so also in Messiah will all be made alive. And I believe that's a spiritual life, but also a physical life. Not in this body, going to have a different body. Verse 23, but each in its own order, Messiah the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Messiah. And there's so much more then. 
This is important for us to understand. This is one of God's purposes. He's preparing us for is that there is going to be a resurrection of all from the dead. As a matter of fact, we had a, a, a preview of that when Yeshua was crucified. Do you know that there were those in the tombs that came out and walked around the city and were seen by many? We often overlook this. It's in um, Matthew, I think, 27, 52, 53. It says, tombs were open and many bodies of Kedoshim, the holy ones, who were sleeping, were raised to life and they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Imagine that. So that is a preview of what's going to happen. Romans 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And see, I believe that that resurrection that we're talking about, Yeshua being the first root, it releases creation from the bondage of corruption. You see, it wasn't just when Adam sinned, we all sinned. When Adam sinned, all creation was corrupted and decayed. But the resurrection, when Adam died, but in Messiah, all are alive. Okay? There is a release. It releases creation from bondage to corruption. That's amazing stuff. Okay, third... His purpose, Yeshua's kingship over all the nations will replace all other governments. Psalm 2, 8 and 9, and I love this. Ask me, and I will give the nations as your... This is, this is like a, the father saying to the son, the father saying to Yeshua, ask me, and I will give the nations as your inheritance and the far reaches of the earth as your possession. You shall break the nations with an iron scepter and you shall dash them in pieces like a potter's jar. Whoa, yes. The father is saying this to Yeshua. So we have that he's going to rule over all creation. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. Every government will be replaced by the righteous government of Yeshua. And finally, and I love this, Israel will put their trust in him. All Israel will be saved. Now, we can get into all kinds of theology. And I do, all, I do believe that all Israel will be saved. But I believe it's going to be at the end of, it's called the Lord's Day. We don't need to get into that right now. We can talk about that later. But I believe that's the day of the Lord when all Israel will cry out. In Zechariah 12, chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Then I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication when they will look towards whom, me whom they pierced. This is awesome. This is awesome. So what is our response to be? Do you all stand with me as we prepare to enter into a time of worship? And, and we're also going to take our tithes and offerings. I didn't forget. And I don't want you to forget. Because we're changing things around a little bit. We're going to go into our time of worship in just a few minutes. But it's also at Orchaim. That's when we bring the Lord's tithe and our offerings before him. Why are we included in his covenant purposes? From the foundations of the world. Because of his eternal covenant love. 
We were created in his image. We were created in his image, in his likeness. You see, you even think about Israel. He made covenant with the seed of Abraham, and he made covenant with Israel. And some would say Israel blew it, and they've been replaced by the church. And I say, God is a covenant-keeping father. He makes covenant. He made covenant with the children of Abraham. He made covenant with a nation called Israel. And yeah, they were rebellious and they blew it. But God's covenant purposes, he never breaks covenant. And if he breaks covenant with Israel, he'll break covenant with you. But he's trustworthy. He will never do that. He's committed to you. He's committed to the nation of Israel. We are called to work toward these purposes being fulfilled. We're called. We're, we have a commandment to go into all the world. Matthew 28, 19. Go. And that is an act of whatever, participle, participle. I'm not a grammar person, but it's, it's go and as you go. It's an active. As go and as you go. You declare the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and you make disciples. The goal is not just to get somebody saved, move on, but to make disciples so that they understand the purposes of God. And discipleship includes understanding his purposes. It's an imperative that we see ourselves as his holy habitation. We're living in an earth suit, okay? We have to live in this this body on planet earth as it is right now. It's kind of like an astronaut who goes into space. Okay, he has to wear a space suit, but the space space suit is not who he is. Okay, it's just to protect him from the elements. Okay, we have this earth suit. But we are indwelled. We have become a holy habitation of his Ruach HaKodesh. That is a powerful, powerful truth. That is not just me. That's not just me, my interpretation of the scriptures. It's all through the scriptures. And the same power that raised Yeshua from the grave is residing in you and me today. Hallelujah. I learned this motto many, many years ago. We need to know God and to make him known. It's as simple as that. To know God, the fullness of who he is, as we can in this limited body and mind. Yes, we have a limited body and mind while we're here in the flesh. But you know what? He's called us to know him, to know him even more. To draw close to him and to make him known to others. Amen. Amen. Father, we say today... We are yours. We belong to you. We are your people. You are our Father. You are our God. Lord, give us a revelation, a fresh revelation that you have chosen to make us your home inside of us. Each and every one of us, Lord. We know that intellectually, but I pray, Father, that we would know that 
in our kishkas, that we would know that in the, the inner man, that we would know that in the nishama, our soul, that we would know and that we would live. And we would have such an urgency about bringing this truth to others. Equip us, Lord God. Train us so that we can train others, so that we may present them complete in you. We bless you. Thank you, Yeshua, because what you've promised and what you've made clear in your word, throughout your word, will come to pass. And that you have blessed us and, and you've asked us, you've invited us to partner with you in these purposes and plans. Lord, help us to see that in Yeshua's name. Amen, amen.